Well, good morning, everyone. Friday morning, 8 a.m., but it's 5 p.m. in Texas. Darren Saul here from Saul Searching, the Saul Recruitment Podcast. We have a fantastic show. Joseph is here from Texas, Dallas, Texas, to give us the Texan perspective on recruitment. How are you doing, Joseph? Hey, we're doing good here in Texas, Darren. How are you down there? Uh, I'm doing very well, my man. Um, and for everybody out there who don't know who, who doesn't know who Joseph is, I'll give you a little bit of a rundown before we jump in and hear more. Joseph Brown is a US-based recruitment consultant with over 30 years experience within high volume agencies, as well as corporate recruiting teams. His primary focus has been on diversified information technology markets with a strong emphasis on specialized hyper niche skill sets. Joseph works with stakeholders to identify and resolve systemic underlying issues with their processes, strategic as well as tactical approaches to engaging and hiring the best candidates in the market. So welcome, Joseph Brown. Hey, good to be here. Glad we could connect this. Uh, well, it's your morning. It's Thursday afternoon, as you said, here in Texas. And uh, looking forward to spending the next hour or so with you, Darren. Uh, absolutely, man. So, Joseph, um, tell us a bit more about you that, you know, I really haven't covered because I'm sure there's plenty to tell. Yeah, you know, I, I, I came to recruiting quite by accident. Yep. Uh, my, my story is... Most people is, do, by the way. I, I was the same. Recruitment seems right? to be one of those things that everybody kind of falls into. But anyway. Well, I, I, really, I really took a deep dive because I came from, from a background of nothing but manual labor. My dad owned a construction company. Yeah. And so all I ever did, it, it was, you know, it was working with your hands. And most of the time it was in the Texas heat, either roofing houses, yeah. you know, 110 degrees, or we were building something. So, you know, I, I got married in, uh, in 1987 and I knew that I needed to find something that would provide some type of future if I wanted to have a, a family and a happy marriage. Yep. So yep. In, in 1990, I actually answered an ad for a company that uh, called Paladin Consulting here in Dallas. And uh, I, it was a sales position, a business development position. And I'd always liked dealing with people. I thought, hey, I can do this. So anyway, I, I sent in a resume and the man on the company called me up. And uh, I went in and interviewed with him and we talked for probably 45 minutes. And he pretty much immediately understood that I wasn't the person that he needed to hire right. to bring in a new book of business, right? right. But we got, along, we got along pretty famously. And uh, he said, look, he said, he said, I need somebody who can come in and help me out. He said, I, I've been handling the recruiting. I'm supporting three account managers. I'd like to find somebody that can come in and kind of mentor them. So yeah. we had a good conversation. Uh, we left, there were no promises made. Uh, it was probably two months later that I got a call to come back. And, uh, and I spent a total of four and a half years working with that company. So that was my first introduction. And it was a mainframe COBOL world. Oh, I remember uh, that. I remember when I first started yeah. recruitment, I was doing a bit of mainframe recruiting. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, that's, all, that's all there was. I mean, you, yeah. you, had, you, you, had, you had no PC networks. You had peer-to-peer X.25 communications that, that served as what they thought was a network at the time. Yeah, but it was right. big, big iron mainframe legacy systems. Most of them were bats, so there was no... Yeah. Uh, client serve interaction or, 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 or GUI interfaces. But I, 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 the first year I was there, I managed to close about 48 people and I made him enough money that, uh, that he kept me on. So, uh, <laughs> Fantastic, man. 
Now, um, now, obviously, at the moment, you don't do a lot of work in IT, do you? You kind of moved into a slightly different area. No, I'm still pretty I'm much, still you know, my strength is still in IT. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's where my knowledge base is. Again, I've worked in different sectors and different verticals over the years, but it's always been, seg always segued into them. Like I've, I've done some work in healthcare, yep. but IT was the bridge that got me there, right? I've done some stuff with, 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 uh, with chemical and pharmaceutical companies, but the IT strength has always been the bridge that got me there. Nice. So I'm, I'm diversified, but I, I want to keep that, that focus. I think there's value in that. Oh, as, much, as much as the market is saturated, and if you, if you look at the numbers, if you look at the industry, uh, the IT market is just completely saturated. I, I mentioned that when I came into the business in June of 1990, there were eight companies in the city of Dallas that help that had a shingle you know that they that they were hanging out that this is what they did and i think a couple of years ago I, I looked at the uh, at the reports for the the new businesses that were that were uh, applied for in the dallas county area this was like 2017 and it was a ridiculous number it was yeah. like hundreds of new companies coming online every month uh so the mark the market especially here in the States, it's just saturated. Every, everybody who has an internet connection and can afford a monster, uh, a monster account and a LinkedIn recruiter account calls herself a recruiter. Yeah, and, yeah uh, absolutely. And that's, that's a good one. Just for everybody out there in Australia, I think Monster is one of your biggest job boards, just like Seek is one of ours. Is that right? Right. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Um, now, Joseph, you call yourself the recruitment mechanic. I love that title. <laughs> Tell us how you came up with that. No, I just came up with that literally maybe a month ago. Right, yeah. Uh, I was looking at, at adding some sizzle to my, to my LinkedIn profile. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I kind of looked, looked at our website and, and uh, you know, we got some content on there that, that, that equates the deeper systems of recruiting with mechanics. And we got, uh, you know, images of cars and motors and things like that. If you'll get a chance to take a look at actorsearch.com. Yeah. It just, it just made sense. And you know, what's, what's really interesting is Darren, I've, I've been for lack of a better term, I have been under the hood in recruiting for probably <laughs> half of my career. Wow. Uh, most of it was just to be able to survive. I was with smaller companies. So I was afforded a lot of autonomy and, and the luxury to build, to kind of build your own, your own playground. Yep. So, yep. I was constantly looking at a way that we could, that we could beat the competition. We could be faster, we could be better, more responsive, deliver better results. Yep. And it's, it's part of my makeup. I'm geared like that. And my son's actually like that. My son is actually a master automotive mechanic. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. And so I kind of picked up on that, but I was looking at the website and I thought, you know, what can I, what can I say? How can I brand myself that will clearly differentiate me from everybody else out there? Yep. We've got gurus and ninjas and unicorns and this oh, stuff. Yeah. And it just came to me. I thought, you know, this is mechanics. It's mechanics 101. It's, and that's one of the things that, 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 we, like, that we like to do. Uh, is, and I think, we, I think we're creating a niche space for what AcroSearch is. It's taken a while to really define that. I know you and I have had some conversations about that. But there's a need to empower clients beyond just giving them an immediate result or a temporary result. Yep, yep. And let's, uh, let's chat a bit more about that. I mean, what you know? How, yeah. What's your perspective 
on how the recruitment industry fits in in general and in US as well, which might be a little different here. So I'd love to hear more about, you know, where do you see a recruiter's relationship these days? Yeah. With client? And, and, and yeah, and, and, and that's a good question. I know you and I have talked about this in the past. I think more than ever, to me, recruiting has always been a people, it's a people business in the day. It doesn't matter what vertical we're in, what market we're in, what our, what our deliverable is, we're dealing with people. Yeah. And one of the things, one of the things that, that I learned early on, and I think Mitch Sullivan would probably draw and quarter me for saying this, but <laughs> the candidate is a client. Yes, absolutely. They, 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 they really are. I know Mitch put some things, and I love Mitch, but he put something on LinkedIn. I wanted to respond to it, but I thought if I respond to this, you know, <laughs> I'm going to let it slide by. But, and I've seen that, you know, I've seen that when you've been in the business for 30 years, you see the people who are on this side of the desk. If yeah. they stay in the industry, they can become your client. And sometimes that, that comes back to you. So Absolutely. I've, I've always, you know, there's a lot of terminology that, that we have today that, that has just been introduced into recruitment within the last eight or 10 years. I think it's always been there, but now we got terminology. And we talk about the candidate experience. Definitely. I've always had that in mind. And I've walked away from deals. I've, I've, I've walked away from deals that I could have closed because it just, it wasn't right for the candidate. I've suffered, I suffered scrutiny. I called yep. all kinds of hell and fire from it from companies I worked for. Thankfully, I was able to produce yep. enough yep. success I could get by with it. But I made my mind up that I would never compromise that piece of integrity to, to force somebody into a role. And of course, as I've gone through, the, through my career, I've worked with peers that they would do anything to get that business closed. Yeah. They, would, they would tell any line, no matter how great it was, and their whole goal was, we hope that let's hope they stay there until the guarantee period is up, until, yeah. until we get paid. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I could never stomach, I could never stomach that. So that helped me because I, I saw the, the difference in my style and my approach. And as I, and at first I thought, maybe I need to compromise to fit in and be successful. But once I, once I learned I could be successful and even more successful than a lot of, a lot of my peers by holding to those values, yep. it became a commodity to me. And, 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 and I, you know, and, and I like to think that the, the candidates that I've worked with throughout my career, they had a good experience and they felt like I had their, their best interest in mind. And to me, I'm, I'm never going to compromise that. Yep. I 100% uh, agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, and that's really interesting because, you know, you know how, like recruitment has changed over the years. And, you yes. know, there's been different emphasis put on candidates versus clients and the, the balance, the ratio and the shift, you know, of attention keeps changing. But right now, we're in such a candidate short market that for me, candidate and client are absolutely equal. They're both incredible um you know candidate and client are king for me and you have to really right. make sure that you serve as both sides of the equation exactly the same because you can't have one without the other exactly it, you know there are two parts of, of what causes us to be successful and causes us to, at the end of the day to get paid for what we do yep. Yep. right and uh but like i said you know early on I, I understood that and uh and and i had candidates that i worked with over long periods of time from different companies into different roles. And when I realized that they kept coming back to me, 
it made me feel like I was making the right the right choices, and I, and I've never I've never regretted those choices. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I love you know the way you mentioned the candid experience. You know, and we've we hear about that. We've heard about that for decades, and everybody uses yeah. those that phrase, candidate care, candidate experience. Yeah. But it really um, is true. You know, you have to make the candidate feel that they can trust you and that you're in their, you know, you're, you're working on their behalf in their best interests because, yeah. you know, otherwise, that's how you build your business. That's how you build your name. That's how you get referred right. other people. Um, you know, it's one of the only ways to work. Well, and, and you know, and, and I agree with you. I'm not real big on terminology. As a matter of fact, I think terminology sometimes fails miserably in being able to encapsulate an idea or a concept. But to me, it's, it's uh, and I don't know if you, if you have it over there in, in Australia, but we have a thing here in the States called the Golden Rule. Okay, it's no, basically, no. look, don't, don't do anything to, to me that I wouldn't do to you. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to put you in a situation, if I can help it, yeah. as much yeah. as it's within my control, I will never put you in a situation that I, that I would not want to be in myself. Yeah. And it, it's, but, you know, the thing is, and I can't speak to, the, to, the, uh, to your market there, but in the States, this is such a competitive dog-eat-dog -dog, uh, market yeah. that so often those deeper values and convictions, they just kind of get thrown out the door in, yeah. sake of, uh, in sake of making the deal happen. Wow. Wow. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and, you know, that's one of the reasons I think that, that uh, the stigma around recruiters is so great. And I have to say, it's probably well-deserved most of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's the same here, really. I mean, over the years, we've had um, all sorts of stigmas attached to recruiting. And yeah. you know, we have to, it's almost like every time we work with a new client, we have to almost work double as hard to undermine and change their perspective that they've already got about recruiters because they haven't had enough of a relationship with them yet. You're, you're exactly right. And, and, I, and I think that's why the sales perspective and the marketing perspective of recruitment, I would submit is, is probably much more difficult than if you're selling a product or a service. You know, it, it, usually, you know, if a person is selling a product, they're selling a piece of software, they're selling a, a hard material or something, they don't have, they don't have this uphill battle. All they've got to do is get into the door yep. and engage the and they engage the uh, the stakeholder. Yep. With us, once we get in the door, we got to climb this mountain of all these rejections that that we own them and we're guilty through association. But yep. but you know, <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not the one that burned you. I'm not the one that exactly. that ripped you off. That told you the guarantee period was going to be. Yep. 90 days and turn out to be 60. Yeah. You know, I'm not the one that left, that left you at the altar. You know, I, it's funny, I had a, uh, and this happens fairly commonly, I'm sure you, you, you've experienced it as well, but I had a, a, a client I was talking to a, a month or two ago, and he wanted to base our whole relationship around uh, mitigating what somebody had done to him before. And he, and he wanted to penalize us because he had lost a certain amount of money and he said, well, I'm not, I'm not going to pay that amount of money and go through this again. And I said, well, look, you have to understand what the problem was not what they charged you. The problem is what you got. And, you know, I, I can't take that hit, you know, coming into really, the, as, much, as much as I want your business, as much as I, as much as I sincerely believe or know that we can resolve your issues, uh, I, I'm not going to be hung for something. 
the horse, I, the horse I didn't steal. And that's something that you're in Texas, you you understand that saying. Like, I was just about to say, that must be a Texan one. I'm not going to be hung with a horse I didn't steal. I love that. <laughs> so, Joseph, I mean, I'd love to get a little bit more of an insight into how you've seen recruitment change over the years, particularly from yeah. the U.S. perspective. Or, you know, I because I want to know and dive into whether how different recruitment is over there to it is over here. But maybe if it is at all, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I, I don't really have that much of a point of reference outside of the U.S. market sure. uh, to be able to, to, to speak to probably as clearly as you'd like to. Yeah. The, the first part of your question, I can tell you there's been tremendous changes since I came into this, yeah. this business. And that was 30 years ago. So we've seen changes in technologies, processes, strategies, tactics, uh, tools. You know, when I came into this business, our database was a row of file cabinets. That's right. That's right. Uh, and, and, and within those, those, those uh, file cabinets, you had uh, the man that I worked for never threw anything away. Yep. So yep. If, you, if you went to a file cabinet and you found somebody's resume, they may have, you know, and we were dealing mostly with contractors at that time, not direct hire. Mm -hmm. So say the average term of a contract back then was probably six months. Okay. Yep. So yep. If, if a guy came off a contract, then he was going to get his name out to everybody. So we might have over a two-year period, we might have four or six copies of that person's resume. They were wholly almost redundant, except for he had, might, might have changed a paragraph you know, from the last project. But the company I worked for, they kept everything, and they just stapled it all together. And there was no rhyme or reason. And you know, because you're dealing with paper, it's just you knock a couple of staples in it, you throw it in the file cabinet. Yep. So it, it would take me sometimes, it might take me 30 minutes to find a telephone number wow. to contact somebody. Wow. It was a, I can't tell you how much I appreciate uh, automation and technology and systems, and that's why I'm such a huge advocate of it. Yep. Because if you had seen me in, 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 uh, in my beginnings, you know, I had a table in my office that was stacked up with resumes, probably two feet high, three or four stacks. Yeah. And it was, it was just, it was literally a paper chase yeah. going through, going through, going through, going through. And I would take down telephone numbers, write them down, and then I'd go through and see if any of these telephone numbers were going to connect me with someone. It was total misery. But, <laughs> but that's, all, that's what everybody, it, well, it really was. I was just... It was better than where I came from. It was better than being on a roof and it being 110 degrees. Yep. And the sun's beating down on you and you're getting paid 200 bucks a week. I agree. You yeah. know? And so for me, I just, I, I just batten down the hatches and I said, I'm, I'm going to tough it out. I had to work ethic. I was used to working 12 hours a day. And at, at the end of the night, if, if we needed to finish a job, a lot of the work that we did was out of town. So you traveled outbound. If we had to finish a job and we didn't finish it by the end of, of uh, the, the sun went down on Friday evening, we put floodlights up on the roof and you stayed out there until you got it finished. So that's, so that's the world I came from. So when I came into the office, I had people I was working with that were complaining because the coffee was too cold because yeah. they sat in traffic too long. And I thought if I'm competing against these people, yep. I, you can, you can I, make I, it. I can happen. Yeah, I, I can take the field. And so that's one of the things because I didn't have a college degree. And, and it's really interesting to me because there's companies now that despite the success and the career that I've had, they will not hire me because I don't have that piece of paper. Yeah. yeah. It used to bother me. 
it just puzzles me now. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I agree with you. It's crazy. I mean, to experience as a recruiter, the experience is everything. It's everything. It's, it's, yeah. there's nothing like sitting in the seat yep. and living in the trenches. Absolutely. Because recruitment is so much about subtleties and nuances. And, you know, the more you recruit, the more you start to notice behaviors uh, and read different situations. And you can't do that. You don't have that skill unless you have your, you know, do your time in the trenches. You can't gain that experience. You're, you're exactly right. And I think one of the things is I've noticed it's, you, you can't learn the things that you need to learn to be, to, to really be a great recruiter. Yeah. You have to assimilate it. You have to go through the trial and the error and soak it up. Baptism and by you, fire, you know? But the, you know, I was thrown into the pit, man, because like I said, when I came, when I came into the business, we, we were supporting between 40 to 45 contractors. We have attrition, you know, every month we ebb and flow, but we supported year round 40 to 45 contractors. Okay. And I had three account managers and two of them were pretty solid account managers. And so, you know, I had to keep up with the grind and my, and I had zero, my training was here's the telephone. Here's our database back here. Uh, here's our, you know, this, here's our database. And then the front end, our, our client server uh, UI was a Rolodex. Yeah. <laughs> so that's so, and, and I was basically told, here's the work, go do it and get results. And and I had to have three D it's hard it's I talked to recruiters about this that, that have come in since you know since the turn of the century. It sounds strange saying that. <laughs> or even came in in the late nineties. Yeah. And that they can't wrap their head around it. But the man I worked for demanded that I have three deep coverage on every position that came in the door by the next morning. Wow. But you know what? A lot of nights I stayed there to eight, nine, yeah, 10, me 11, me 12 o'clock. It wasn't a late night for me. It's what you did because his vote of confidence was in me. He hired me. He had enough faith in me to give me this opportunity. And, and I was damn sure not going to let him down if I, if I could help it. And I so, remember, I remember situations like when you're placing a contractor and, Everything's ready to go. The paperwork is signed. Uh, it's Friday afternoon. They're going to be starting on Monday. Yeah. All of a sudden, uh -huh. at five to five, you get a phone call. Sorry, I've got a better, better offer. I'm not going to be starting. And you've committed to that client that someone's going to be there on Monday morning. So what did that mean? I was in the office that weekend or that night till late till I found someone to start on Monday. You just had exactly. To I had a deal come in one time. The worst case scenario I can, that I can that I can still recall in 30 years of doing this. And I was working at that time, I was working mornings. I later shifted to afternoons to kind of keep up with, with the trend and so forth. But I was working regular hours from like 8.30 till 5.30 or whatever. And like two o'clock, you know, the, the end of the day is in sight. And one of my account managers comes rushing in and, and into the gentleman's office I worked for, which was right next to mine, you know. I've got this great opportunity with Texas Instruments. Texas Instruments is a is a huge company, technology company down here, right? Oh, they're hiring all these people. They're hiring, and, and, and so all of a sudden that's thrown on my desk, right? I got three hours before the end of the day, and I think it was like a, I think it was it was a Thursday night. I was gonna say Friday, but I remember the next day we worked. But I had to have three deep coverage on this. I think I ended up contacting and recruiting. I'm not lying, like 37 people. 
And I think it was midnight before I got home. Yep. <laughs> and, and, and because we were paper driven, you had to print up a copy of every resume, had to be put on the man's, the man who owned the company's desk, had to be put on the, the account manager's desk. And then we had to put one up front for the woman that would type the resumes and WordStar or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the next morning, I'm not kidding you, I got in and by 10 o'clock, the whole thing just went away. It, it, the account manager said, oh, you know, they've already closed it. And that's it. That was know. it. That was it. No question about it. God. No pushback. That, so I had to eat a lot of that stuff early on. Oh, yeah. So, but, you know, it, <laughs> it, it, put, it puts character in you. It does. And it strengthens you. And when you go through what you call those baptism by fires, there's not much that, that you back down from. Yep. You know, I've, yep. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys that I tend to run into things that other people run away from. Yep. I yep. always, you know, every time we would have a requirement come in, if we saw a technology come in that we'd never worked on before, if nobody else wanted it, I wanted it because it was a challenge. Yeah. And that's where I really developed my skills at busting into, into hyper, what I call hyper niche markets. Where this, you know, especially back then, you couldn't go to the internet and find a a, a, a nice list from LinkedIn or Monster or Dice or Sync or you know, it was all paper driven. Yeah. So it was a completely different situation. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I had I had some great success early on, and I and and I kind of developed that reputation as I went through my career of, hey, this guy's crazy enough. <laughs> he may not deliver it, but you can give it to him. He'll, he'll, he'll fill the roles that you can't fill. Yeah, but you know what? That when I was able, when I, the thing about it is, it's what I call the snowball's chance in hell requirements. Nobody expected you to close them, so if you didn't, nobody crucified you. Yeah. That's but if right. you, if, but if you could find yeah. that rare success, you became, you know, this god among recruiters or something. Yeah. And that was that was nice early on. You know, when it. I was young, I was younger. It's all about what I call the gunslinger days, you know, I'm going to be the fastest. I'm going to beat everybody out. Yeah. You know, you're young, you want to make your mark. Uh, and it, and it was, it was a lot of fun in those days. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, let's chat a bit about that because obviously, you know, you pride yourself on being able to fill those roles that are not so easy to fill or, you know, those solving the tough recruitment problems. What, how do you go about that? What's, what's, what are some of your thoughts around that? You know, a, a lot of the things, and like I said, a, a lot of, of what we do at AcroSearch is really, you know, clients come to you, and, tr and traditionally in recruitment, the problem is always out there. Right. It's the market. It's it's our competitors pulling the candidate, you know. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I learned that a large percentage of the time, it's about something that's happening that they're not aware of, that they don't understand what's happening, and they don't take a look inside. Yeah. You know, you, you, can, you, can, you can lose business and you can lose ROI a myriad of different ways. And, and the thing that I realize is when it comes to systems and processes, your gains are, are, are rarely in, in one big thing. It's these incremental little things that create this massive breakdown in performance. Oh, I, I'm so glad you mentioned that because, you know, that is one of my biggest um, philosophies in recruitment and in general, in business in, in general, but particularly in recruitment, you know, from the outside, it can look like a very simple process, A, B, C, place, 
collect your fee, and that's the end of it. Right. It's really right. about, as I mentioned, the subtleties, but I think to be a good recruiter, you have to be able to do, execute every little step as well as you can, and the sum of those little steps give you that big competitive advantage at the end. I think that's really, and that's what you're saying. That's true, and that's one, and that's, and that's one of the things because a, a lot of what we do is focus on the deeper processes. Our, our goal is, you know, I, I had a good run, a good career as an agency recruiter, made, made good money. You know, I was with startup companies that became, you know, exploded and became million-dollar companies. So I had that experience early on, and as I matured and, and, and became more seasoned, it became about how can I really help? Yeah. What can I do that's going to make a difference? So, you know, I love to empower. And this is, this is one of the things that a lot of our peers are still stuck in what I call they're, they're recruiting like it's 1999, yeah. like the Prince song. Yeah, yeah. Some are recruiting like it's, like it's 1990, right? <laughs> we, we, we tend to value, put our value on, 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 our, on our commodity, right? Our commodity is we can deliver this candidate. We can find somebody nobody else can. Yep. But if, if, if you're my client and everybody out there in the market has this mindset that they're trying to solve your, put out your fire today, this is your problem. You need to hire somebody right now. There's a thousand people out there that can do that for you. Yes. But guess what? Six months from now when you need to hire somebody else, you're right back in that cycle. So when I, when I begin to see that cycle and understand the, the real impact that that has on clients and begin to you know, wonder, it, is there a value in that to stakeholders? And then when I begin to have those conversations, I found out people would tell me, I've never talked to a recruiter that's ever talked to me like this before. I've never talked to a recruiter. They, they were shocked that because they were used to dealing with recruiters, you know, that wanted to guard all the, the secrets, you know, we, yeah. we've got better tools, you know, we've got better processes and this. And this. If, that's, if the only way that you can add value is because you got a better system, a better process or tool, yep. you're not adding value. Because there's always going to be another, a new tool, there's always going to be someone else with another process or another technology, you know, you can never... Right. You know, but, but the thing is, and obviously, there's a balance because you, you don't want to just open up the, the treasure house and give away everything you know because you can quite quickly find yourself out of a market. But empower your clients. Look at their, you know, look at, yes, yeah, solve their problem today. It's like if you, if you look at our website at AcroSearch when we're putting it together, you know, I came up with, I thought, well, what, what, what can we say quickly that's going to make a difference? Because everybody's saying the same thing. We're this, we're that, we're a great company. Most of it is lies. Yeah, yeah, and and you've, you've, you've even hit the nail on the head there. The first word of all those phrases are we. Exactly. Instead exactly. of yeah. you, what can we do for yeah. you? You're the client, not we. Right. It's not about, right. about you. And, 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 it, and it, it, yeah, you're right. And it's, it's marketing one-on-one, but everybody is, you know, half the, the so-called global companies in this field is some guy sitting at home working from his home office. There's nothing wrong with that, but let's be real, you know? And, and so what I try to do, I try to be down to earth. I think, I think I'm very transparent. I'm the type of person, uh, sometimes it weighs against you, but if you ask me my opinion, I'll give it to you. Yeah. If you don't like it, I'm gonna say, now remember Darren, <laughs> you, asked, you asked me for my opinion, right? I love it. But, 
the, the, the difference in what we do is we're going to put out the fire, but then we're going to figure out how to keep your house from burning down six months from now. And like that. I said, a, a lot of times it's just empowering or educating yep. the stakeholder or educating their internal recruiters. Yep. You know, most of the time the stakeholders willing to listen. A lot of times recruiters, look, corporate recruiters think that they know everything. I've been one. Every, nobody wants to see you. Nobody wants to let you see them sweat. They don't want to let you see the breakdowns. They, but in keeping up these appearances, if you're not able to resolve the problems that you got in hiring, you're just playing this game. Definitely. So, you know, it, it can be about tools. It can be about, you can have the right tools and not know how to use them. Uh, a, a, a large part of what I do, I've always been involved with that tracking systems and, you know, uh, um, Adam Gordon over at Candid ID, they've developed a great, great tool I mean, they've done a wonderful job of developing that tool but what they do i realized as i began to look more into what they were doing at cid i've done that for years i just haven't put it into a into a clear process we have a manual what i call a reclamation process because i every place i've worked whether it was it was working for agencies or working as a corporate recruiter the first thing i learned to do is why everybody else is going to Monster and they're going to Dice and they're going to Sync and they're going to LinkedIn. You know, I'd walk into these companies and they'd have a hundred or 200,000 resumes in their database that they've built up over years that, that nobody's mining. Yeah. And so the first thing I would do is figure out, okay, if everybody's fishing over here, right? Yeah, absolutely. What can I get from here? Because the reality is companies are spending money to, to sometimes create redundant resources because they don't do a good job of building a strategy and an and, and engineering and infrastructure that is going to serve them long term. You know, the database becomes a place to throw resumes. Yes. But when but nine times out of ten, and I've worked for companies, I worked for, for a company called Proficient uh, for a couple of years, and it was a it was a large company, six hundred million dollar year company. Yeah. And, and and we competed in the space was a center and cognizant, you know, high-end. Uh, technology solutions uh, but we had like 22 recruiters and we had I don't know how many seats every tool that you can imagine dice monster career builder we had all of these wonderful tools but their infrastructure was so poorly put together and it was just a treasure chest and so when I was there I worked with the director and the director that, that brought me in I was there twice the director brought me back the second time and said I need I need your eyes on this I need new eyes on this and so I worked with them for about a year to, to, to take that tool and to optimize it to where you can go in and you can get the results. You know? Now, what they did with it after, after I left, I don't know. That's, all, that's always the, the $69 billion question because the reality is you can go in and, and you can empower a stakeholder. You can go in and you can completely re-engineer their infrastructure. You can teach them how to get the most bang for the buck. And so often, if you go back to them six months later, they are drawn right back to that old system, that old paradigm. And I've never understood that. Uh, I have learned that good people will marry themselves to the death to really bad processes and systems and tools. Yeah. And, and as well as agencies, recruitment agencies do the same thing. Yep. Yep. It, you know, it's, it's our reluctance to change, I suppose. It's our reluctance to embrace new ways to do things, think outside the box. You know, we're all creatures of habit in a way. Well, I think that, and you know, one of the things with agencies is, is 
you don't have time to stop and open the hood on the engine. True. You got to keep it running down the road. So you change the oil, you put gas in the thing, you hope for the tires and off you go. That's right. And you burn on down the road. But what you do, if you do that sooner or later, you're going to burn that system out. Yep. And sooner or later, that lack of performance is going to catch up with you. But that's, that's the difference. What I found with the corporate world is it's usually the politics. There's people that made the decision to buy this tool. A lot of times they've invested ridiculous amounts of money into it. It's not working. The recruiters hate it. Yep. But you know what? Somebody with a title and a pay grade much higher than yours made the decision, and you're, you're stuck with it. Even when you talk to stakeholders and say, this is what it's costing us every month. This is what we're losing. This is why we're losing to our competitors. It's like, it's, it's, it's like, it just remains there for eternity. And to me, when I find those kind of situations, it's something that's going to affect me, especially if I'm working in a front end recruitment position. If if I know that the infrastructure is not, is not setting me up for success, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remove myself from it. Because sooner or later, the blame always falls back on recruitment, right? It's always the recruiter's fault that you didn't find. Not the competitors, not the fact that we're paying 20% less than our competitors. Yep. Uh, it, it's, just, it's just amazing, uh, you know, the, the, the burden that's put on recruiters. Yep. It takes a lot for somebody to stay in this business. It does. You know? 20, 30 years, you know, you know it, it really does. You know, here's what keeps me in. The other day, I, you know, I worked from my home office. Every time I think on the really bad days about, you know, I need to find another gig. A couple of weeks ago, I looked out the window and there was some guys over on the house across the street roofing. And I remembered, hey, <laughs> that, used to be, that used to be me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to suck it up. I'm going <laughs> to step away for an hour, maybe sleep on it. And I'll get up the next morning and I'll figure this out. Well done. And, uh, and, I've, and I've done that for, for a long time. So Fantastic, man. And so where do you see things evolving? I mean, obviously, it's difficult to say. I mean, are you finding yeah. any new trends that are being embraced right now that you think are going to really be something that's going to take? Or what's happening over there right now? You know, I don't know. You know I've kind of been through an interesting journey since I started AcroSearch. I restarted AcroSearch uh, in November 2008. 18 is when I left my full-time position and decided my wife and I talked about it. And we decided we'd hang the shingle again and give it another run. But it's really, I have learned, uh, I've probably learned more in the last two years about the deeper ends of this business than I ever knew the previous 28. And it's because, you know, I've, I've moved from being a, a recruiter to a business owner. And you know what I'm talking about you don't realize all this is behind the curtain until you start having to try to put it in place. So I have a much better appreciation for the business owners that I've worked with throughout my career. Definitely. But the, the thing is, you know, I've looked at the trends. I've looked at, you know, I know this value, this value and knowledge share, this value and, and looking for new ways to do things. I think at some point, you've just got to have the core of what makes you successful. And then if you could find something that adds a little bit more to it. And I think that so many people in recruitment, especially people that, that haven't got that tenure and didn't come in back when you had to, you had to just figure it out. If you want to keep your job, you got to figure out how to get three people on this by the end of the day, yeah. you know, 
no matter what the odds are, no excuses. <laughs> doesn't matter what the market. I mean, if I was going to work and continue to provide for my family, I had to make something happen. But I think that so many of the recruiters that have come in, the younger recruiters, they, they I don't want to use the word that they're spoiled, but they've never known that experience. So for them, it's about tools and processes and systems. And so they're always thinking, if I can get this tool, this is what's going to make me successful. If I, if I, if I, if I, if I can get my hands on, if, if I can move from having a regular LinkedIn account, if I can talk my manager into in buying me a, a LinkedIn premium account. And I think that's a trap that you can fall into when you're young, young and inexperienced. And I say that to be, I say that not judgmentally because I went through the same thing and I learned that a lot of the success that I had, I could have been more successful if I understood what I was able to do. My success always came from when, and as I began to move through my career, a lot of times, you know, for a time on my resume and my LinkedIn profile, I had something up there like, you know, regardless if you have tools or I'll get results because I knew how to do that. Yeah. And, 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 and so I have, you know, I'm, I'm having that core ability. I've always said, look, you can throw me into anything and I'm not only going to have success with it, leave you in a better place, but I'm going to leave the world better if you let me than when I walked in the door. I love it. And, and you kind of touched on that before. It's about, you know, yeah. the whole approach and your integrity and, you know, the nuances and, and building relationships. It's, it's about the yeah. softer side, not so much the systems. Well, it, it, well, you're, I mean, the system's a part of it, right? But you, it's like this. You, you, can, you can have a, you know, you can buy a $300,000 Ferrari. But if you can't and, hand, and hand the keys to your six-year-old kid and then see what happens. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So, you, it, so it's like you talked about before. It's all these different interconnected things. And they're, and they're commonalities. It doesn't matter how big the company is. It doesn't matter what you're looking for. I've, I've recruited pharmaceutical, healthcare specialized insurance sales, marketing, and mostly IT. And I've seen in my career that you find the same common threads. And once you understand those, it's like a mechanic. And you ask how I arrived at that. Yep. If you take your car to a mechanic, he's not going to sit there and go, well, I wonder what that could be. He's going to sit there and think, okay, the last time I saw this, what was it? And then he's going to start this troubleshooting, this analysis. He's going to work from the smallest thing to the biggest thing to find out what it is. Gotcha. And, and, and that's all I do when I talk to a stakeholder and they start saying, well, we can't do this because of that. My head, my mind's already turning. And I'm, and I'm already, before I look under the hood, I'm already looking virtually and I'm going, okay, I bet it's it. And I'm listening when I talk to them and I pick up these cues. And a lot of times your, your problem is the fact that you've got a great front end engagement process. You've got great recruiters and they're, and they're, they're bringing people quickly to the table, but you can't take four weeks in a competitive market to interview people oh, if your competition is moving people like lightning. That's and having worked with companies to where we were the companies that, that we move people as quick as we got them, and, 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 and we put the onus on our clients to change their process and where it would align with ours, and that's why we had good success. So I've seen, I've seen I've been, I've been that rodeo many times in the past, but there's so many Recruiters don't have that depth of knowledge and even recruiting management. I've worked with recruiting directors that didn't understand the things that, that we're talking about. I had a recruiting director tell me at a very successful company one time that the metrics don't matter. The numbers don't matter. And I said, wait a minute, 
if you don't if if you don't measure the metrics, then you you can't possibly have success. You're just if you have any success you have, you're flying blind. You're having it in a vacuum. And I had this director that had much more experience than I did and was much higher pay grade, signed my paycheck, that kicked me out of the office because I said, look, if you don't know what the numbers are, you cannot manage this recruitment operation. And of course, shortly after that, I was asked to make my exit. <laughs> but, I, 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 look, but here's the situation. I was, I, you know, this all came about because I was being scrutinized because I couldn't get results. And so if you're going to talk to me about how many people I'm placing, let's go back and look through the process and see how many people are making it to, to the screening. How many people is your business development manager really getting eyes on by the client? If you're gonna, you can hold me accountable, but let's hold this whole system accountable. And often, often and everybody that's in it, oftentimes that's a conversation people don't want to have. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But it's the it, but it is the conversation that you need to have, especially if you're being impacted by it. But absolutely, but, absolutely. Recruitment, like you know, recruitment, is a very tough gig. I mean, it's one of the toughest gigs out there, and a lot of people. Don't realize that until you're really in it, working the process from A to Z. It's a complicated game. It, it is, and that's the fascinating thing to me is, is despite all the commonalities, and there's many, I don't think there's ever been one day that's been the same as the other one in, in all the years I've been in this. Absolutely. You know, the, the, it, I, it, it's, it's predictable to a certain extent, but you can look for the same skill set today and look for it six months from now and have a completely different experience experience and completely different challenges it's always in flux and that's the thing that, that i love the most about it and you know people use the term passion i think passion is overused i think it's become kind of this this term that it's kind of phony so i try to stay away from that but my heart a, a part of my heart is in the, the 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 complexity and the challenges of of let me figure out if I can make this happen. Let me figure out. I don't care. I don't care if everybody. Matter of fact, even more so, if everybody, if ten recruiters have tried to solve your problem, you know, I'm probably the guy that you need because I'm I'm dumb enough to be number eleven, <laughs> and I'm smart enough to not follow the same path they took. I'm going to go in and look. And like I said, you'd be surprised how often the problem is not outside. It's not marketing. It's a, but nobody ever looks at that recruiting operations are run to where at every level there's this disclosure and this things that are that are held back there's never full transparency the the owner the owner of a company who a corporation who's depending on the recruiting operation never knows how bad things are in the trenches because you got three layers of managers that are going to shield that ceo yep. and if you got something that that the ceo needs to know about you're not going to you're not going to get it through that massive layer of politics and, and you know, that convoluted process. And so many times companies fail because of the politics will not allow them to address the problems. It's, it's amazing to me. It's really, I, I use, when I talk about recruitment, recruitment is both an art, but a lot of it is science. Definitely. It's science. Marriage between science and art, for sure. Yeah, and it's not just science. It's it's like it's like quantum mechanics. <laughs> you know, it's not it's because everybody can see what's here. It's 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 when you start when you got a mind to see what's in the invisible realm that nobody's talking about. And then if you if you can have those kind of honest conversations, 
and you can bring a, a stakeholder to the table and you can have that conversation and then you can see the results and then you can see the impact that they have that, that carries with them, not for a month or for a quarter, but year after year after year. I, I feel like I've, I've, I've done my job at that point. That's incredible, man. But before we finish up, I just want to make sure that we make sure that everybody in the US, particularly in Dallas, um, knows how to contact you and get in touch with you if they need some help. So maybe tell us a bit more about how about you, your company, and how we find you. Yeah, sure. Well, our, our website is acrasearch.com, yep. and that's A-C-C-U-R-A-S-E-A-R-C-H.com. And then our contact information is on there. I'm, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn under, under Joseph Brown, the recruiting mechanic. I guess I'm the recruiting mechanic now. You know, I, it, it's funny because I started to pull that down, and then you mentioned it, and I thought, well, hey, maybe that, you know, maybe we'll leave that up there. I like that. It's got a, but, ring, uh, to it. it's got a ring to it. I like it. The best way to reach me is probably uh, LinkedIn or email me at joseph.brown, joseph.brown at acrosearch.com. But, uh, you know, I work with companies all across the country. I've worked with, 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 uh, with some clients outside of the U.S. That's the good thing about what we do. We're dealing with information. We're brokering un unseen, intangible things. And so anywhere that somebody's having, a, anywhere somebody's having systemic problems, and especially if they're not happy with what they're getting out of the recruiter, let's have a conversation. You know, you've invested a little time. If we can help you, uh, we'll do our best. But also if it's something that I realize, hey, this is not, doesn't fall into our wheelhouse, we're gonna, we're gonna have that conclusion too. And, and I think one of the things in closing, you know, I've kind of come to a point where my value used to be about what I can produce. And now I've realized I've got so much inside of my head that has allowed me to have that success. I want to bring that out. I want to share that. I want to find ways to get that information out there and, and, and not, not at cost, not, you know, if you pay me, then I'll open up the book of secrets here because I think we've got to find ways, all of us, especially as saturated as this market is, you talk about the changes in recruitment. If we don't find a way to add value beyond, a commodity or beyond a transactional thing that happens in a period of time. If our value is not deeper than that, brother, I mean, what are we doing? That's, to that's, a, that's a great way, a great little point to finish up on because, you know, a recruiter is a trusted advisor. It's a confidant. It's, it's your partner. You bring, yes. you bring a company brings that recruiter into their world to help them solve problems in perpetuity and, you know, right. help them keep their staff as well as hiring their staff. I always say the recruitment process doesn't stop after you've hired someone. You've then got to make sure you keep them. You know, That's and right. the recruiter can help you manage that, you know, that process because they understand the candidate psychology. So exactly. it's about becoming a trusted advisor with your clients, being part of their trusted inner circle. You're not just a, providing a service and taking a check and off you go. It's a very different. Situation. Right. But you know, one of the things that really hurts us is you know people. You can train people, and people have been trained by recruiters for a long time, man. Yeah. And when I try to have conversations with a lot of clients, they don't, they can't wrap their head around the fact that it's almost like you're trying to take advantage of them. But wait a minute, what's in it for you? Why, why don't you just send me ten resumes and then I pick, I pick one of them, and then you get your fee and we go our separate ways? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like they don't believe that you really want to empower 
exactly. educate them when you talk to them about, let me take a look at your ATS. Let's figure out ways we can build a better process. Let's build a front end to where when you put the information in, you can, you can get it out. That's going to take your spend away from these, these external tools. I'm a big believer in owning it. If you see it, you own it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if it's on LinkedIn, if I can figure out how to get it off LinkedIn, that's going to end up in our applicant tracking system. If it's a resume off a of career builder or dice or sync or, or computer jobs or whatever, you know, you paid for it. You paid for it. Every time you clicked on it, you're paying something for it. Yeah. Bring it in house, build your, your competence and, and, and your, and your, your strength for your recruiting operation. Yes. Keep your peripherals out. There'll be times that you need them. But if you don't have a strong core recruiting operation that includes a, an ATS of some type, and you don't have recruiters that know how to work with that, you, you're leaving a lot on the table, brother. You're, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. Absolutely, absolutely. And I know you're the master of, you know, looking at those systems and integrating all these different systems to making sure that you get the maximum, maximum benefit out of everything that you have. And you know, and, and, and one of the things I'll leave, I'll leave with this, I know we're cutting, we're cutting off here in just a moment. One of the things is a lot of times when you start talking about optimizing, the dollar signs start going off. Oh <laughs> my God, how much is this going to cost? Yeah. You know, what, what we endeavor to do, I, I love to take whatever you've got and show you how it's enough yeah. if you know what to do with it. Gotcha. You don't have to have the best database out there. No. You can have the best database, but if you don't have the right design, with that, 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 that ATS system, then it's, it's just a boat anchor. But you can take a, a $99 a month system with the right design and somebody knows how to put it together and it will be the $50,000 front to back HR all-inclusive teleo systems all day long. I've proven it uh, many times over my career, but, the, but stakeholders, they think when you talk about optimization, oh, what's it going to cost us? Oh, we don't have the budget. Look, let's just take the budget off the table. Yep. You're going to compensate me for the value I add. But other than that, let me show you how to use this tool that you've had for four or five years. That it's running at 20% because there's one little thing that you don't know that I know because I've lived in that space. Yep. And that's what I want to get. That, that's the message I want to get out there because so many times that's the reality. It's just one little thing. You're not, you're not going to change the whole world overnight, but you know, what is 10% or 12% or 15% worth when you look at your overall bottom line? Definitely. And as, and it's, it's holds true to what we mentioned before. It's those little things that can make a huge difference in the end. If we just take notice of them and make sure that we articulate and execute on those little things. And understand what you're looking at. It's like you go to a doctor. You know, a doctor asks you certain things because he knows from the symptoms he can start determining what you've got. Yeah. But you can't. You can go, well, I feel like hell. You know, I've got a fever. But if you go to somebody who lives in that space, and hopefully recruiters can reclaim that space to where we're not just commodity. I, I, I think this is what's happening. You know, we talked about the changes. We talked about this before you and I, I think we're going to see a refinement of recruitment. I think the people that don't have the core goods to deliver, they're, they're going to fall out. And I think when the smoke clears, whenever that is, we're going to have professional people that, that recognize this is not about just making money or, 
are, 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 you know, are winning bids, are closing business. It's about, like you said, being a strategic partner to every client we interact with. Absolutely. And because that's what is going to, that's, that's where the business is going to. And I'm excited, I'm excited about it. I, I think it's just a matter of time, especially with the impact we're having economically right now. And with the changes because of COVID, there's a lot of, you know, just like we're seeing business every day closing up, we're also going to start seeing recruiting companies that need to close the doors go away. And it's going to leave people like, like us that are there for all the right reasons. So I'm excited about it. I think we got a bright future ahead. I love really. it, man. That's, that's fantastic. That is a great, beautiful, positive note to, to finish up on is really heed that advice from Joseph, you know, because it's, it's so simple, but just a lot of people forget and we get caught up in our day-to-day daily grind and just we forget why we're, actually, why we're actually here, what we're actually here to achieve. Yeah. And what makes us enjoy what we do. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. So Joseph, thank you so much, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Always. We've got an enlightening discussion and we'll definitely want to bring you back for part two, you know, because I'm sure there's plenty of stuff to unpack. Anytime. You've, Every time we talk, you always leave me with, with as many questions as I've given your answers. And, right. uh, and feelings mutual. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it's, it's good to have that interaction with professionals in this space. It really is. Absolutely, man. So I really appreciate it. I wish you all the very best, best over there in Dallas and in the Thank U.S. And uh, for all the audience out there, I'm going to put all the links to, the, to how to find Joseph in the show notes. So look him up and Accurate Search if you need some help over there. Um, so if everybody out there have a fantastic day, have a fantastic weekend, and we'll see you very, very soon for another episode of the podcast. Hey, happy weekend, my friend, and adios from Texas. Absolutely. Adios. Thanks, my man.